9,911 downloads. 9,911 downloads, so dear. 9,911 downloads. How do you measure? Measure a podcast in episodes, in feedback, in subscribers, in frapper maps, in articles, in votes, in bandwidth, in reviews. In 9,911 downloads, that's how we measure, measure shimmy cast. Okay, so if I haven't deterred you all from that horrible, horrible singing, that's not usually how I sing, trust me. <laughs> really better than that, I promise. <laughs> Welcome to ShimmyCast episode 28. Um, I'm sorry I'm a little late. <laughs> But hey, it's the week of Christmas, and y'all should be thankful I actually have the time at all to do a podcast. <laughs> I should have done it last week, but oh, holidays, shopping, it's been crazy. So anyway, this is supposed to be a podcast for fans and dancers of Middle Eastern dance. I'm your host, Anala Rabari. For this week's episode, we have the usual event announcements and answers to the question of the week. We have a review of the CD, A Time of Peace, and the article this week is about winter traditions, and the music for this week's show is again by Kitka. Um, submissions for the next article contest are due January 1st. It's coming up soon, guys. Get them in by noon, good and bean time. Make sure, you know, the subject line says article contest or something like that, and uh Check out the guidelines on the forum board. And soon we will be hitting the 10,000th download. Um, I'm positive that actually the next episode that I do will be the big woohoo send off 10,000. Yay! So, um, like I said, if my singing didn't deter you, hopefully you'll be sticking around for that. <laughs> but let's get started with questions with answers to the question of the week. What do you do when you listen to ShimmyCast? Vina in Kansas City, Missouri says, I found your podcast a couple of weeks ago and my computer has decided it doesn't want to put them on my mp3 player i'm sorry <laughs> so i listen on windows media player while i'm surfing the links you mentioned or do dishes <laughs> which that's not bad too i i listen to podcasts sometimes while i'm doing dishes too <laughs> okay to the question do you prefer to choreograph or improvise First four weeks, now to be known as Lilith in Utah, says improvise definitely. I think improvisation is much easier for beginners once they have a basic movement vocabulary. Although only listening to a song once or twice, then attempting to perform to then attempting to perform to it can be disastrous. You need to really know the song you are improvising to. Unless you are very practiced and good at improvisation. I say this from a general dance standpoint too. Rather than just tribal style belly dance. 
I've done both ballet and jazz in addition to belly dance. Once dancers get better at the dance, keeping count while dancing, and expand their dance movement vocabulary, choreography can be easier, especially when you want to reproduce a dance exactly and or when you dance in a group. By the way, I've chosen a dance name. It just sort of came to me when I was pondering the matter. I've chosen Lilith. In Jewish tradition, she was Adam's first wife, but he divorced her when she wasn't compliant and obedient. She had red hair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You have to watch out for us red-headed girls. <laughs> we are not into the being compliant and obedient at all. <laughs> so I have to say, um, I, I am always... Choreography, improvise. I'm always going back and forth on the scales with it. For myself, when I am dancing solo, a lot of times um, when I'm learning a song and, and really kind of memorizing the structure of a song in my head, I'll just get up and improvise and dance to it in my own home. Most of the time, by the by the time I actually perform it, I have it kind of set in my mind that I've listened to the song so many times that I'm like, oh, I love this move right here at this second. Um, most of the solos that I have or that I'm developing seem to work out in such a way that like three-fourths of the song will be actually choreographed and I'll actually have a plan and, and we'll have decided that in my opinion, these are just the only moves that ever fit to what the song is doing at that particular point. And then the, the other fourth of the song is improvised or it, it's some kind of fractional thing like that. It'll be part choreographed and part improvised. Um, I find with most of my students, they are just scared to death of improvisation. I mean, it's like you give them the chance to do improvisation and they just look at you like a deer caught in the headlights. And they just stand there and they look at you and they're like, what am I supposed to do? And you tell them, do whatever you want. And they just look at you like, that's a foreign concept. What do you mean do whatever I want? No, you're a teacher. You're the instructor. You're supposed to tell me what to do. For the most part, at least with our beginning students, they are just so uncomfortable with the thought of improvisation that we we don't even try to teach the techniques of improvising until the advanced classes. Um, the most improvising that our beginning students ever do when they perform is getting from off stage onto the stage and most of that it's just pretty much you tell them okay come out twirl 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 find a spot <laughs> spin 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 you know a little shimmy walk find a spot you know and we we even have to like show them a lot of different options for getting onto and off of stage um and that, that's just been my experience as a teacher, that Im improvisation really, I, I find that most students need at least one semester of classes before they even feel comfortable attempting to improvise. 
some of them don't even feel comfortable then. Um, and, and you do have some students who are comfortable acting. They, they've, they have a background of being a performer, whether it's theater or, you know, acting, singing, as opposed to just dancing or like playing an instrument. So if you have somebody who has a performing background or some other kind of entertainment background other than dancing, a lot of times those students will be totally comfortable just going out and being a ham and doing whatever and playing around. Um, but most students, I find, this is their first experience with any kind of movement at all. And they're just too scared to move unless you tell them exactly how to move, unfortunately. But it's really nice to see them develop and get over that fear and cast that aside and start listening to the music and then you see kind of the light switch flick on and they start listening to the music and it's just like, you know, I think it would feel good to move this way to what the music is doing right here. And then they just take off and they're improvising and it's a lot like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon or something. And it's really nice to see them develop that way. But I've gabbed on enough. <laughs> And now your shimmy cast news. January 6th through the 31st, the Belly Dance Superstars will be having shows and workshops in Mexico, Canada, Illinois, Oklahoma, Colorado, Michigan, New York, Oregon, and Washington. January 6th through 12th, a Cashba Dance Experience winter week-long workshop with Morocco in New York City, New York. January 8th through the 15th, Magical Balinese Retreat with Hadia in Kutubali, Indonesia. January 12th through 13th, Sonia Sok sponsors Rachel Bryce in Seminar and Show in Chicago, Illinois. January 12th through the 13th, Kira's Oasis presents Talitha in Gothic Belly Dance Workshop in Centerville, Ohio. January 12th through 14th, Dance Like an Egyptian Workshops with Hassin Zaiza, Yusriya Sharif, and Fatin Salima in Clinton, Maryland. January 12th through 20th, Tomalin Dalla and the Mid-Eastern Dance Exchange present 40 Days and 1,001 Nights and 10 Days of Dance in Miami Beach, Florida. January 19th through the 21st, Wine, Women, and Dance, Margaret River Middle Eastern Dance Festival in Margaret River, Western Australia. January 26th through the 28th, an intensive weekend of workshops, shows, and master classes with Imar Thalib of Argentina, Aziza of Montreal, and Virginia of Miami in Orlando, Florida. January 27th, an evening at the Old Sulk, number 3 at 7 p.m. The location is the Rose Street Artists Co-op in Burlington, Vermont. If you would like to perform and or vend, 
please contact Christine at G-W-I-N-N-A-D at yahoo.com. January 27th through the 28th, Oriental Foundations, Technique, Combinations, and Expressions, Ballady Technique, Taksim Technique Workshops with Jim Bowes in Phoenix, Arizona. This has been the Shimmy Cast News for this week. And as always, you can find more information about all of these events on our forum board. This week's review is of the CD, A Time of Peace by the Brothers of the Ballady, and it is reviewed by Anala Rabari. I will say I did attempt to contact the Brothers of the Ballady to ask, to ask their permission to use some of their songs from this CD on the show during the winter season, and unfortunately, they still haven't gotten back to me. But hopefully at some point they'll get back to me and they'll tell me it's okay. And you may be getting Christmas music in, you know, February. <laughs> this city is great Middle Eastern arrangements of 15 classic Christmas carols. I felt the instrumentation was very inventive, but the songs retained the feeling of ancient music. They did a great job of mixing traditional Middle Eastern rhythms in the bridges of some of the songs, such as A Little Town of Bethlehem, Little Drummer Boy, and The First Noel. The song choices are a great selection of tempos and moods, and the liner notes do a great job of explaining the instruments, both by their name and a simple definition of what that instrument is, for people who may not be knowledgeable of Middle Eastern instruments. This is the perfect CD if you are looking to make a performance more relevant for winter parties. And the songs are great links for performance purposes as well. All but one song is under four minutes. I think this CD would make a great addition to any dancer's library. Joy to the World is my least favorite track, but that's because I'm not a fan of the Zerna, which is the double reed Turkish folk oboe. Some of my favorite songs are We Three Kings, A Little Town of Bethlehem, and Silent Night. This week's first song is Bethlehem, Bethlehem from the album Winter Songs by Kitka. Bethlehem, Bethlehem,
feedback this week, but I wasn't really expecting any since the holidays are fast approaching. Um, I would like to offer some suggestions if any of you are thinking, oh, I need a last minute gift for a dancer. Several of the online belly dance places offer gift certificates. And I actually recently got an email from the Belly Dance Superstars website and they have song and CD downloads now. So that might be a particularly good gift, you know, to get them a gift certificate to that online store. Uh, especially if you know that they're a dancer in need of more music. Which, what dancer isn't in need of more music? So that's just a suggestion. Also, I have an announcement to make for you guys. I am seeking ShimiCast staff writers. It's not a paying job. Don't get excited. <laughs> um, basically, I'm just looking for people who would like to be ShimmyCast writers and correspondents. Um, as far as if you'd like to write reviews. If you would like to interview dancers in your area and submit those interviews to me. They can either be audio files that you send to me that I can edit into the show or you can send me written transcripts and um, we'll, well, I'll kind of act out the interview. I'll, I'll make Ryan the interviewer and I'll be the interviewee. Unless you interview a male dancer, which that would be cool. And then I'll be the interviewer and make Ryan act out the interviewee part. Or, you know, I'll get some of my friends from dance class or something like that. Um... But it's just getting to the point where I'm a little swamped. <laughs> and um, the great news is I'm getting more hours at work, which is awesome. Um, it finally bumps me up to full time now, which means I get health insurance, which is really good. But that also means I have less time to work on the show. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm... I'm Plus, I really have always intended ShimmyCast to be something that a number of dancers contribute to. So we can use it as a way to discuss things and share ideas and share opinions 
and things of that nature. So if any of you guys are interested in being writers or um, just helping out as far as looking for event announcements and helping um, compile that list or, um, you know, being interviewers or writing reviews or articles or anything like that, just email me and say, hey, I want to know what I can do to be a part of this show. And, you know, full credit to you will be given on the show. Links will be put up to your website if you have one. Feel free to stick this work on your resume if you decide you want to pursue a job as a belly dance writer that's fine too you know we can be mutually beneficial to each other <laughs> so if you're interested or if you have comments suggestions or feedbacks um email to shimmycast at gmail.com you can post on the forum boards as always keep that up um send an audio um please vote 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 for us on Podcast Alley or Podcast Pickle. And please, 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 you guys, leave reviews on iTunes. Right now, Shimmy Cast is number 58 on the top uh, 100 performing arts podcasts. And that's based on, like, number of downloads and subscribers and also reviews. And... I haven't been bumped out of the top 100 in quite some time, but it would be really nice if I could stay in the top 100. So please, if you have a sec, just go and leave a review on iTunes. And don't forget to sign up on the Frapper Map. So this week's article is about winter traditions in the countries where uh, belly dance is popular. Um, I threw this together really quickly a couple of weeks ago from research that I did actually for a presentation that I gave a, for a performance that I gave at my local VA hospital for their Christmas party. I used some songs from the brothers of the Ballady CD that I reviewed in the show earlier. I danced to their versions of Deck the Halls, Angels We Have Heard on High, The First Noel, and I did a veil routine to Silent Night. And then in between dancing, I read this information about um, winter traditions in mostly Middle Eastern countries. And it was a lot of fun for me. Um, I got a lot of compliments. A lot of the audience members came up afterwards and told me they just had never thought of Christmas music in those terms before. And so it was a lot of fun for them to hear such different versions of those songs that they had never heard before. And one man was from Lebanon, and he was just thrilled um to hear that music and was really interested in it and luckily he did tell me that I got um the information from Lebanon correct <laughs> so um I just wanted to share that with you guys if you're thinking about ever doing Christmas performances or winter performances um it's a really great program to put together
on with the article. Winter Traditions by Anala Rabari. In Bethlehem is the Church of the Nativity, which is decorated with flags every Christmas. On Christmas Eve, the church's doorways and roofs are crowded with people wanting to watch the annual procession. Arabian horses lead the parade, and a lone horseman on a coal-black steed cross carries a cross. The parade solemnly enters the church with an ancient effigy of the baby Jesus. Under the church is a grotto where visitors see a silver star marking the site of the birth of Jesus. Christian homes are marked by a cross painted over the door, and each home displays a homemade manger scene. The star is set up on a pole in the village square. Hanukkah is also celebrated this time of year in Israel. It begins on the 25th day of the month, Keslev, which is in November or December, and it lasts eight days. The length of the celebration can be traced back to a legend. The Jews had driven the Greeks out of Jerusalem, and they wanted to consecrate their temple again, but there was only enough oil to keep the lamps lit for one night. But by miracle, the lamps were lit for eight nights. The Hanukkah candelabra is an eight-armed candelabra. Every day of the festival week, of the festival week, one candle is lit. During this week, the families eat mainly fried or baked dishes like potato fritters or pancakes. During the time of Hanukkah, the children receive so-called Hanukkah money. With this money, parents reward their children for studying hard and acting charitable. In many Middle Eastern countries, they practice fasting for holy occasions. In Iran, the fasting from all animal products starts on December 1st, and after church services on the 25th, they enjoy a Christmas dinner. A traditional meal is a chicken stew called harissa. Traditionally, gifts aren't exchanged, but children get new clothes that are worn on Christmas Day. Celebrations in Egypt are similar. However, because of a difference in calendars used, they celebrate Christmas on the 7th of January. Egyptian Christians start fasting 43 days before Christmas Eve, eating vegetarian food only, and they are only allowed to eat meat again at midnight on Christmas Eve. In Armenia, fasting from meat products is also observed the week before Christmas. Since Armenia was a part of the former Soviet Union, the Julian calendar is used there. Thus, Christmas is celebrated on the 6th of January. On this day, they don't eat anything at all, and fasting ends with a midnight mass and a family dinner. Priests give out holy water, which is used in the households to clean important things in the house. In Iraq, families hold candles as one of the kids reads the story of the birth of Christ on Christmas Eve. Bonfires are also part of the celebration. Made of thorn bushes, everyone sings around them, and then the fire is finished. And when the fire is finished, they look to see if the thorns burn to ashes. If they didn't burn to ash, it means good luck will be had for the coming year. Then everyone takes turn jumping over the fire three times, and they make a wish. On Christmas Day, a bonfire is made in the churchyard. During the church service, the bishop carries a baby Jesus figure. At the end of the service, the bishop touches one person in blessing. That person touches the person next to him or her, and the touch is passed around until all present have felt the touch of peace. 
The Lebanese start preparing for Christmas two weeks before by planting seeds of peas, beans, wheat, and lentils in cotton wool balls. By Christmas, they have grown about 15 centimeters and are used to decorate cribs that are made out of brown paper. Several special sermons are held in all churches of the country throughout the season. In Lebanon, Christmas is not just a time for family, but also a time for the church. And this is demonstrated by everyone helping to decorate the church. Turkey is the native country of St. Nicholas, also known as Santa Claus, Father Christmas, Papa Noel, and Sinterklaasje. He was born in 300 AD in Petra near Antila. He became the Bishop of Mara, where he preached until he was burned as a martyr in 325 AD. After his death, healings of sick people who visited his grave took place. Mara, where the Church of St. Nicholas is located, became a place of pilgrimage. On the strength of the legend, St. Nicholas became the saint of the children who received presents from him every year at Christmas time. In Greece, the actual highlight of Christmas time is the 6th of January, the Feast of Epiphany. Festivities start on the morning of the 24th of December. Children walk from house to house and they sing the Kalinda to triangles, bells, and drums. These hymns bring blessings for each house. The children who bring happiness and luck are rewarded, and the one who enters the house first leaves with the most presents. The Christmas bread is decorated with an A, meaning the plow, and a B, meaning the yoke of the oxen who pull the plow. And at least one piece of it is put in front of the icons of the house. It is believed that goblins walk the earth for the coming 12 nights, and for protection, Christmas fires are lit. During the year, Greeks look for the best piece of wood called the Christmas piece, and it is used to warm baby Jesus on Christmas Eve. The Greek festivities continue through New Year when it is considered very important who enters your house for the first time in the new year. Some believe it should be the head of a household, an eldest son, or a happy child whose parents are still alive. Typical Greek sweets are consumed on January 1st as well. One particular sweet, called Vasilios bread, has a golden coin baked in it. The person who gets the coin in their slice will supposedly have luck in the coming year. Then comes January 6th, the most important of the celebrations. Many believe this is the day when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. So the tradition is to bless the water so the evil spirits leave the earth. The priest blessed not only every house in town, but all the fountains and the fields with the basil twig and sprinkles of holy water. Others believe that January 6th is the day that the three wise men arrived to give their gifts to Jesus. Thus, they exchange gifts on that day instead of December 25th. In Pakistan, some still celebrate winter solstice. This takes form in the tradition called Chamos. It is believed that during the winter solstice, a wise old demigod comes to earth collecting prayers to take to Dizau, the supreme being. To prepare for the demigod, women and girls purify themselves by taking ritual baths while holding bread over their heads. The men then pour water over the women's heads. The males of the village also take purifying baths, 
and when they are finished, they cannot sit down until the blood of a goat is splashed on their face in the evening. The ritual is then completed with a celebration of singing, dancing, and a meal that includes the goat innards around a campfire. In India, Christmas is celebrated colorfully with lots of music and dancing. The houses, decorated, the houses are decorated with lights and mango trees or other tree-like plants are used since they don't have pine trees. In Goa, palm trees are decorated with lights, and in Kashmar, brightly painted bells and balls made out of paper mache are used, along with stars made out of gold or silver foil. In South India, clay lamps decorate the houses and rooftops. Children and employees receive presents. In other parts of India, the head of the household is given a lemon on Christmas morning as a gesture of blessing. Elsewhere, the families read the Christmas story and hold candles. Like in Iraq, there is a thornbush bonfire. There is also a midnight mass that lasts for two or three hours with lots of singing and dancing. Also in India is the Hindu festival of lights, known as Diwali. This is the most important ceremony of the year. Taking place in October and November, it marks the beginning of the Hindu New Year. The festival is a combination of Christmas and New Year. Houses are decorated with candles and lights, and families sing and dance. But the highlight of the celebration is the fireworks that can last nearly all night. So I hope you all enjoyed hearing a little bit about the festivities that are going on around the, the world this time of year. Um, and now it's time for the question of the week. And this is a listener submitted question. So park up. One of your fellow dancers really wants to know the answer to this question. So please respond accordingly. How often do you practice, and for how long do you practice? Oh, see, now we're getting to the dirty little secrets, and we're going to find out which of you are being good little dancers and practicing, and which of you are not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, to answer, you can send an email to shimmycast at gmail.com, or you can go to the forum board at shimmycast.blogspot.com and discuss it amongst yourselves. And, you know, always feel free to answer previous questions and always feel free to submit questions for the question of the week as well. Finally, it's time for the second music pick of the week. This is Zaimuchi's The Bozha Majka from the album Winter Songs by Kitka. I hope you all enjoy and I hope you are all having safe, and happy holidays, no matter what holiday you celebrate. Um, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas for our listeners across the pond. Um, happy Kwanzaa, Happy Chalmos, if you're in Pakistan. Um, what am I forgetting? Good winter solstice. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting some other celebrations and I apologize, but really everyone have safe and happy holidays 
And until next time, this is Anala Rabari saying shimmy on. www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again.